0: what's up guys welcome to another episode of ball status
1: <laughs>
0: listen we have all sorts of buttons here you just you just wait <laughs> that's right guys i'm doug miller ceo of something um i'm, I'm here with
1: patrick mabe i'm the sales guy of no something. no
0: wait this is a big deal this is, is an announcement I tell them who you what your new title is this is a big deal
1: so Doug was so kindly to give me a new title yesterday. I am the Vice President of Sales for Core Nutritionals and America Labs. Come there, out.
2: There you go. And then we also have? Logan Bailey. I am the Director of Distribution for Core Nutritionals and America Labs and right. also America Energy.
0: Right on, right on. That's and right. then our special guest today. Ooh, it's a windy one today.
1: Uh, the America Energy thing gets a little gray, you know. All right, we'll get All into the Hold the title on, let's thing. introduce, let's,
0: let's introduce. Okay, the, sorry, sorry. We, we got a guest here. Let's all right oh sh- to my right <laughs> we have
3: justin weeks ceo of europa doesn't that have a yeah. nice ring
0: to it the ceo or, yeah
3: makes you pucker a little
0: bit <laughs> all right guys so um we're back i don't even know what episode this is and this is boss status this is where we talk about the business of health and the health of business don't you like that slogan that's a great that's one. like this is like real company. We're going to fool the CEO of Europa here and think we're a real company. We got... It sounds professional. Yeah. And can we just take a moment to uh, just take a look at this new smoking jacket I got? It's like real <laughs> velvet or silk, or I'm not even sure what this is. This was a birthday gift from uh, some of the employees here, so thank you, guys. Uh, before we jump into this, America Energy, thank you. We're going to get into... Uh,
1: Dude, I, I, I know you... you I'm, I'm not with it today. Right.
0: So the key is cigars and victory... Thank me later. All
1: right. Yeah,
0: so, early for those who don't know, Europa is—I would like to describe—they're probably the 800-pound gorilla sports nutrition distribution, right? Specialty. You guys are the.
3: We are, um, to a degree, right? To a degree. You know, yeah. So, um, obviously, as everybody knows, right? You know, the the pandemic affected. All of us in a variety of different ways, right? You know, at one point in time, Europa uh, was at the top of, obviously, our distribution um, industry. And, again, so many challenges, so many setbacks. You know, we're back in the game and have been for about the last 18 months on rebuilding the organization. Um, and first and foremost, one thank you guys for obviously allowing me the opportunity to be here. You guys run a great brand. Um You got a great following and excited to obviously be a part of it. Uh, And I would also say, obviously, there's a ton of great other distributors out there, too. You know, I mean, they run a lot of great professional organizations uh, and friends with most of those guys. Uh, So as much as I would say that they're competitors, it's still a journey. And we're still, uh, you know, in a lot of ways working together to obviously rebuild not only our business, but our industry. Oh.
0: So let's let's take a step back. So we've had a relationship. When did we launch in Europa? The
3: brands was
1: it August For, of last year? Yeah, I think twenty twenty. So it's been a little bit over a year now. So like we, when we were crunching, we were in this, training in group. this building. Yeah. yeah, we were crunching. So numbers.
0: we have been with them, and so you guys understand. So Europa distributes to a lot of mom and pop specialty stores, but also some groceries, some a uh, lot of big gym chains, um, a lot of specialty type locations um but before we get kind of go down the distribution route let's figure out uh let, let's take a step back let's get the justin week story <laughs> and i will say it was really funny before we came on here logan uh mentioned you know justin will be real loud he'll be like yee beforehand and then he gets on he's like yes and uh thank you thank you for having me this is a wonderful time here
3: <laughs> that's about but, accurate yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's about so accurate.
0: we're gonna try to bring out the yeehaw here all right Um, let's go back to the beginning. Let's get a quick origin story of like, what is your background? So now you are like, I mean, let's be honest. You're the big dog at, at Europa, a a, a large uh, sports nutrition distributor. How did you get here? What was your, like, what, what is your path to get here? Did you start in sales? Were you a gym manager somewhere? Like what's your deal? Yeah.
3: So, um, you know, funny enough when, right before I graduated college, um, I had to get an internship, you know, for three weeks to basically get my diploma, right? I played baseball at Elon University, you know, Two college World Series appearances. Logan can continue to basically play in this church softball league. That'll all be right. fun for him. Come Congratulations. On. Come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he talks about his dingers all the time. Let me talk. Yeah, yeah, let me tell slow you. Slow-pitch softball, yeah. uh,
3: over 40 league. Congratulations. Have
0: you ever winner.
1: gotten thrown out of a slow-pitch softball exactly.
3: game? Exactly. Right? And, and that would be a story or worth hearing, right? <laughs> um, no, but so literally, um, I knew Jeff and Eric. Um, uh, Who are,
0: just for the people that
3: don't know, Jeff yeah. and Eric. Jeff and Eric are the original founders of Europa. Um, and obviously, you know, they started the business back in 1991 Um, and then you kind of fast forward and you know, the early 2000s and even mid 2000s, right? You know, were kind of that um, birth of distribution where all these supplement brands and everybody were kind of coming into the pipeline uh, and they were, you know, really kind of teed up to, to be that dominant player. So anyway, long story short, I had to graduate. I had to get a diploma. You know, I needed a three week internship to do so literally called jeff jeff's like man i don't have anything for you i'm like cool you know i mean you're married <laughs> to my sister but like, you know and not a lot of people know that but i'm like okay cool well then f- you yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then so at the end of the day uh, you know i drive across town to this gold's gym franchisee who uh, uh was in the town of of burlington and i walked in there he happened to be there and i'm like look man y- you know i need this to graduate uh it's a 3 week deal. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do and I'm free. So he's like, "When can you start?" And I'm like, right. "Today." You know. Um and then at the end of that 3 weeks, he was like, "Man, he goes, what are you going to do now?" I'm like, "Well, you know, I I don't really know." He's like, "Well, do you want a job?" So I'm like, "Yeah." You know, I mean, I'm I'm not doing anything. Why not? <laughs> you know. And uh so that was kind of my first job into the industry uh when I left college and um About three months after that, I wound up running his club, and uh, at the time, there was a guy in the industry uh, who worked for Europa, who, in my opinion, is a legend and probably one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2008, Um, but his name was Len McAteer. and Lenny Mack would basically work at Europa Monday, Tuesday, drive home, take care of his mother who lived in Burlington, North Carolina, Uh, and he just happened to train at my gym. And we're sitting there eating breakfast one morning. He's in the booth behind me. And I turn around, I'm like, you're Lynn McIntyre. And you would never mistake this guy, right? He was like 5'10", 300 pounds shredded, you know, year round, right? And uh, I'm like, you know, man, I'm I'm Compton's brother-in-law. You know, Lisa's my sister. And he's like, no, shit. you know. So we just built a, a kind of ground up relationship. I'm like, man, the, the last time I saw you, I was 11 years old at Jeff's wedding, right? You know, and you're standing around all these refrigerators essentially with heads, you know, when you're that little. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of bring it full circle, you know, after about, you know, eight months of, of running that gym, he's like, man, why don't I take your resume up to Europa? I'm like, well, you know, Jeff really wasn't big on the family aspect and dynamic. And he's like, well, man, just give it to me. Let me see what I can do. So I went on three interviews for Europa. And uh, the first day I started at Europa was the first day Jeff knew I was working at Europa. <laughs> Yeah, which was awesome. And, and honestly, frankly, I wouldn't have wanted it any right, other right. way, right? Um, and started working with uh, uh, Rick Hurd, uh, my partner at Europa, and a guy named Todd Barber at the time who was over inventory, and the three of us reported to Robbie Duncan. And so I've, I've kind of worked with those guys and for Robbie for 17 years now. So what was, what
0: was that starting position? Was that like a sales I was, position? No, or?
3: I, was, I was actually in business analysis. Okay. Um, what the heck does that mean? That means basically running a bunch of reports – um, analyzing basically sales trends, things of that nature. And then really kind of from there, uh, Robbie gave Rick and I an opportunity. We didn't have a sales manager at the time, so he kind of made us both, you know, co-sales managers of Europa. And
0: How many people are at Europa at this point? So
3: at this point, we've got right at about 135 people. All right, so you're, yep. this, you're a good size. I mean, this is... We're a good size, scaled back a lot, Yeah. Um, just obviously over the years and through yeah. COVID. Um, and then really from there, um, Rick and I stayed partners, and and still are to this day to a lot of degrees. Um, you know, managing sales, uh, and then uh, you know, you kind of come through COVID. You kind of come through basically all the the challenges that we wound up having. So, did you um, go
0: from sales yeah. manager to CEO, or were there other steps? No, like did it, you climb this ladder, it, the corporate it, Europa <laughs> ladder? Well,
3: it's uh, it, a little shorter than that, right? So. Um, Rick and I basically ran sales for. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say 14, 15 years, whatever it was, right? So you by running sales. So just to, yep.
0: so you have a you have like a pit of salespeople, right? That mm-hmm. you manage, right?
3: Yeah. So at, at one point in time, we had almost 70 salespeople versus inside, outside, uh, customer service, etc. Right? You know anybody who kind of outwardly facing touched a customer relationship, um, and then yeah, really from there when we came through COVID, and jeff and eric had to do the the decision that they had to make yeah. or, or make the decision they we'll had to get make. to that don't yeah. don't jump well, ahead no, too no, much on, i'm not go. jumping ahead yeah, okay i'm not jumping ahead but it is <laughs> it is kind of teeing up to yeah. where we are today so at that point the equity guys came in and they offered me a position of vp of sales right um and then to make it to make it shorter <laughs> to make it shorter hey you know one more spot one more. <laughs> <laughs> um Yo, no, that's
0: where you top out here. Just oh. so you know, <laughs>
3: he's pretty Fair much enough. he's Fair
0: at the, the peak of his career right about now.
3: Fair <laughs> enough. Not to pigeonhole you, but you know. Yeah. So, um, really, at that point in time, um, you know, Robbie, who I'd worked for forever, who'd been with the company 31 years, really basically started to have kind of that reflection moment. Right, he'd been doing it 13, 14 hours every day for 13, you know, for 31 years and he had some stuff kind of come up extended family things like that daughters getting married you know wanting to spend time he's you know and we talked about it you know for about a month where he's like man i'm thinking about stepping away and you know robbie's been not only a mentor in the building but obviously a great friend out of the building uh and still obviously is today and you know i'm like okay well then i don't know what's going to happen from here but i guess we're going to figure it out right and the equity guys came to me and said, hey, do you want to take this on? And it, my first initial response to him, I told him, no. You know, I didn't. And and we can get to that too. I mean, there's, there's layers there where, you know, again, I don't have a wife, I don't have kids, right? I've been married to this place for 17 years. These people are as much my family as anybody is. Um, and you as an owner of this business understands, you know, at that time, when you cross over into that next role, all those people are looking to you to make not only the right decision, but also protect their family. Absolutely. And and that weighs on me every That's day. That's the burden of leadership. It, it I is, just made a post right? of that the other it day. Is. It's
0: like you have to take care of all that. And,
3: and so I've known most of those people, like I said, for as long as I have. Um, and it weighed on me a lot, you know, there for a couple of weeks. And um, I accepted it and, and own it, good and bad. Uh, and hopefully um, it, we'll figure it out. You know, and the one thing I'll say – Uh, And I made it clear, you know, kind of day one, I don't have all the answers. I'm never going to have all the answers, you know, but we've got a really good leadership team around us and a bunch of great employees. Uh, And I think that collectively at the end of the day, we'll come up with the right solution. Uh, And that's really kind of first and foremost, what our path forward will be, Uh, will be that collective body looking toward that future direction of how we get to where we need to be, and try to avoid all the landmines in between.
0: So so let, let's jump back five. Let's say go back five years. Pre, I,
3: ga- pre- I, I, I gave you as much as I could in 10 minutes. <laughs> there you go. Great. That, was,
0: that, was, oh, good. Yeah, that yeah. was good. That was good. That was good. But now let's get down into the, because there were some fundamental changes in distribution and Europa specifically within the last handful of years, right? Mm-hmm. You might need to, you might we need read. When, when you, you talk win- a lot.
1: And you yeah. get winded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can we
3: edit this part? No, this is, this is, re- <laughs> this,
0: this is real time. So, you know, let's ju- if we jump back five years or so, um, distribution looked differently. Uh, let's go back eight years, right? Distribution looked differently. Well, I 2015,
1: di- when I joined the industry, like- We were buying a
2: lot of powders a lot, and pills. Yeah. Everything was coming from- Yeah, Europa. In 2015, mm-hmm. my paycheck was coming from Europa.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a world. What a world. It all comes full circle. So um, <laughs> what, what have you seen happen over the last, you know, half a dozen years or so? Uh, for distribution, because you know, from the outside, it looks like it's. I mean, I know because we have twelve stores, right? And we we do buy from Europa, right. but we used to go from getting just about everything from Europa to now literally getting drinks and snacks from Europa. Yep, I know you hate that too. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, you hate every, you Absolutely. hate that. But like, um, so what? What do you think has happened besides obviously the energy drink space becoming so big in the you know the sports nutrition world? But um, like, what percentage of your sales changed? I mean, you were probably more pills and powders than you were drinks and snacks, right?
3: Absolutely. So, it if you go... It, really, the change probably started to happen in around 2019, yeah. right? You know, before that, the Europa, you know, if you balance the category, beverage was probably about 20 to 22%, you know, of overall business. Everything else was dry, right? And then, really, what happened... You know, on the distribution model, when COVID basically hit, a lot of people, you know, wound up sucking up the bulk of the, call it, let's just say 300 influential retailers out there, you know, to where they realized, okay, well, we're going to take these people direct, you know, sell them the the, the profitable stuff, Save save some margin. But then we're going to lean on DSD to, to really service the beverage business, Right. I would even argue that it started before that. So there's there's two points of differentiation in my world that I see have changed, right? You have point of sweat, point of consumption. Point of sweat is the gym market. It's still, at the end of the day, if you went to a CBT company, they would look at point of sweat, the gym market as food service, right? They're gonna pay a premium, mark it up, you know, do whatever you gotta do, it's straight convenience. They're gonna buy it just because yep. you got it, right? They're not gonna price shop you, right? So. You have point of consumption, which is where a brand crosses the aisle. Walmart's deeper in the game today. Your grocery store is deeper into the game. You know, you, you've got non-traditional retailers that own massive footprints that are now in the game, right? So you as a American Energy, right? You know, if American Energy scales, at the end of the day, you're either gonna call one of basically three people, maybe four. It's gonna be Anheuser-Busch, it's gonna be Coke, it's gonna be Pepsi. Right. Because when it comes to the DSD market, you know, it may be a McLean's depending upon what your C-store distribution looks like. But, you know, those are the guys that are the best route to market, you know, for beverage because they're running trucks. Right. You know, I mean, that's their entire business model. In my world where we try to basically have this niche catered experience where somebody can basically get, well, you can get beverage and you can get dry and then you can get your snacks and things of that nature. Right now, the customer basket is so wopsided. So when I look at it and I say, okay, you know, XYZ retailer, you know, is, is buying, you know, average basket size of 600 bucks, what's that 600 bucks equate to? And it's to your point, drinks and beverage.
0: So right? what, what percentage are you now through COVID if you were 20% drinks beforehand, you know, like beforehand, cause I think it was a perfect storm, right? Yeah. It was a lot of drinks and snacks, a lot of sports nutrition brands that you have relationships with coming into those mm-hmm. markets and it was COVID yep. and people think, shoot, just to survive, we need to push D to C yeah. because that's mm-hmm. where the margin is. We, and-
3: all, we all made choices, right? Yeah. Like you have to.
0: Right. And so now out of COVID, I would assume that number has
3: flipped. It's, it's flipped dramatically, right? Yep. 70% of the business that leaves my door has a beverage on it. 40% of my total business is beverage today. So- where it basically, you know... Well, makes, that's
0: what kills you because absolutely. of the shipping, right? 100%. Like The shipping of 70%, even when you're selling the powders, that's if right. you have to throw in the drinks on there, that's just going to kill your shipping. So Absolutely. So what do you do? Or do you ask, do you push people for the same amount of margin on drinks as you do for uh, powders When and negotiating pills? with a brand? Yeah.
3: No. So it, you can make less on on, on powders at the end of the day, because again, you're, you're, you're taking the Walmart approach of profit per square inch, right? Right. You know, it takes my packers and pick, I should say pickers, less time to travel the warehouse with basically a cart of dry goods versus a cart of wet, right? So our carts in our warehouse and basically the pick pack scenario, right? You know, you may have 500, 600 pounds, you know, on a cart that may equate to $800 in profit. Versus that same logic applied to dry goods on that cart going around, you may have $2,800 worth of profit, right? right. It's it's one of those things where you just kind of got to balance the equation as best as possible. Where we're trying to pivot today is a couple different ways, right? One, I'm a big believer. Well, God, we could go a ton of different ways here. <laughs> um, it, to keep it basically it brand and product centric here, you know, From a brand perspective, what we're trying to do is, one, pivot around our relationships with our brand communities on who do we have the best relationship, who's working with, who's leaning in with us, who's going to be a true partner, not just today, but five years from now. And two, obviously recognizing within ourselves, we can't be the one-stop shop for everybody as we scale up and try to rebuild our business as we once were. You just can't, right? Right. You know, I'd love to carry everything.
0: One-stop shop from a brand perspective or from a store perspective?
3: From a store perspective. Got it. Yeah. So, you know, it, in your stores today, you may carry a 1,000 unique SKUs. Well, I'm not going to carry something that I'm going to sell 12 of in a month to somebody because it's diluting my cash, right? I've got to stay centric inside core, but then in turn, see the pun right there? Yeah, just, see, um, see what you welcome. did there. You know, Logan, take notes, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> And so, you know, we've gotta live in basically somewhat of a box before we can break through the box and recreate it. From a, a customer perspective, right? You know, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of changed the dynamic of where we have to have the right conversations with people and say, look, I wanna give you all the beverage you need. To your point a minute ago, it's a lot of cost basically going into that box when you put it into a FedEx, you know, shipping system that says, look, I got I'm going to give you this. I need this to come along with it. We need some of this to be a part of the equation to help balance it right
0: so what do you what do you do with these with the drinks? because they are so I mean we know we ship some mm-hmm. direct you know to consumer ourselves. it sucks it, it sucks, so what do you do right? Do you uh, it, it surcharges now on drink how's it yeah, how, so what you, how are you combating I mean how expensive shipping is and everything
3: so um, you know what's funny is is when you talk. When you talk small parcel, right? You know, your FedEx, UPS, whatever, yeah. right? You know, our rate, and I'm gonna be cocky here and say it's probably one of the best in the country, mm-hmm. you know, which would be cool if the way around that wasn't around fuel surcharges, admin fees, which is basically how they alter the rate, yep. right? So uh, at the end of the day, how we're approaching it is basically saying, look, you know, we have to go back to the retailer at this point. And just have the honest conversation around it, right? And just say, "Look, you're never gonna, we're never gonna burden you with the entire cost. You'd lose your mind, right? Right? I've got to get back at least somewhere between thirty and forty percent. That to me means more than trying to basically press upon my full rate recovery to any independent retailer because it's never going to happen.
0: How many orders are you shipping and losing money? Because I'm assuming it happens a lot.
3: It happens more than it should. Yeah. Yeah." And and again, like, you know, that winds up being kind of the tough situation where the rep who has a ton of autonomy for us because we trust those guys, you know, has to make the right decision at the point in time of the order. So, so let's
0: let's talk about the sales reps for a second. So they yeah. do they see everything when they're when they're keying in an order, do they see shipping rates, uh, cost of goods? Nope. Do they see they don't see any of that? So they don't even nope. really know. They have to they have to know. So
3: we we have a fairly robust reporting system. Yeah that they'll see it, you know, kind of the day after, and then we shift. Yeah. Because everything we do is transactional, right? Right. So, um, a good example would be, you know, if I had to ship something to Hawaii, right, you know, and I'm charging somebody $3 a case for drinks, the same $3 going to Hawaii is not the same $3 going to, you know, Houston, Texas out of my Dallas-Fort Worth facility, right? right? You know, call it tenfold, right? So, That becomes more of a negotiation. Anything LTL freight related, we use a company called Transportation Insight. Um, If anybody's familiar with that, basically what Transportation Insight does is basically they run it through a pro ship method of saying, look, here's five carriers. These are the rates of these five carriers for these specific lanes. And then you just basically make the, the best call that you possibly can there. And sometimes it's not the cheapest call because certain lanes basically have better drivers. They have better experience. So you may go with a more expensive option, just depending upon what level of service you're trying to provide.
0: So I, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, sales reps, but I'll get I'll get back to that mm-hmm. in a second. I want to talk about uh, the actual transition. So, so Eric and Jeff, they were literally the owners mm-hmm. of Europa, like that was their business, their baby, that owners they, and founders yeah. that they started. So, um, when COVID came, and I mean it, it hurt everybody. Um, what happened? Did they make a decision where they were? uh like listen we're just not gonna hang on we've had enough we, we, like what happened and then who came in and helped yeah revitalize you
1: keep it alive really right can i yeah. ask a real dumb it's a good simple dumb question but yeah that's your eric, job mate. eric and, yeah, it's my job <laughs> eric and jeff founders where does the word
2: europa come from oh god do you know the story
3: so eric <laughs> always had this fascination with europe
2: Right, with your, and
3: okay. and Eric was really good friends, and still is to this day, you know, with Lee Haney. Yep. Right, and they had this whole you know European tour thing that they did, and that's where you know Eric kind of landed on this thing called Europa. You know, Jeff's favorite color was purple. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <I love laughs> there we are. So in his in Eric's office, when uh, the office that's actually right next door to where Justin's is now, there was a picture on the wall of Lee Haney flexing on top of Mount, is it, was it Mount Olympus or, yep. yeah, it's Lee Haney with his shirt off and a pair of blue jeans flexing on the top of Mount Olympus. And he goes, man, that right there, that that's where I decided this place is going to be called Europa, right there. <laughs> and, and, yep. and like, I just gave Eric Hillman a huge Southern accent. He does yeah, not yeah, have one at all. Not at all. At, not at all. <laughs> I like it though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it, he used to love, like, I mean, and Big E has, i still very close with him today. Yeah. He still has just stuff. Like if yeah. everybody that knows, oh, I him, remember his office. He just has all that. stuff. stuff.
3: Well, so now he now he started this basically gym, right? And it's Lenny Mac, the guy I was referring to. He named it after him, Lenny Mac's Powerhouse Gym. You know, and if you walk in there, it's basically like this montage of you know all this stuff. You know Nostalgia. from. You know, he got it from Venice. He's got it. He was tight friends with Joe Weeder That you know, he's got all this stuff in there. It's almost like a museum. That's cool. It, it's, yeah. it's 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 literally where is the gym? Um,
2: like two minutes from the office. Yeah, off the yeah. South Ryan. Yeah. yeah. So he's got, like he said, he's real tight with the weeders And essentially, you know, the weeders obviously owned all the the magazines and the publications back in the day of the Bodybuilders and you know every fitness type. You know, everybody remembers the the was it muscular development and you know. So, all of those old pictures of, like, the 80s bodybuilders, like, they would do a photo shoot, and then they would take that photo and put it in a box. Apparently, Hillman got permission to just go to that box. And there is literally, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and early 90s, is just pictures all over the gym now. It's unreal. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really
0: is cool. So, yeah, so what happened? Like, they just had enough. They were just... What, what no, happened? So,
3: um, you'll never meet two better human beings than Jeff and Eric, and 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 I'll
0: I'll, I'll agree with that. Say that. I correctly. mean, for my interactions with them, that yeah. they're, they're somewhat limited, but they've always been great.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, and, even you know, not to cut you off, yeah. but speaking for me personally, like I wouldn't be sitting right here having this conversation with you guys had it not been for Eric Kilman, right? Like, my truck broke down at a gas station when <laughs> I was 19 years old, and I just see this big giant blonde head guy just come walking up to me and he's like hey bro you need a jump and it's like yeah yeah i do actually and um long story short gave me a jump and it's kind of one of those things where like god makes things happen for a reason like i talked to him years later about that incident he's like oh bro i wasn't even supposed to be out that night like i that's the only vehicle vehicle i have jumper cables in like i don't keep jumper cables on me he's like so and then fast forward you know here i am you know, yeah. what is this, 10 years later, talking to you guys. Yeah. Right? So, awesome. it's, it's cool.
3: Yeah. So, it basically what happened, you know, COVID hits. Nobody knows how long it's going to last. Right? And those guys just basically committed, look, we're going to weather the storm here. You know? And, um, you know, at the time, around May, June, April, tw- or, you know, somewhere in there of 2020. Right? You know, you have some of... The biggest corporations out there that we all chase and sell to start filing, right? You know, 24 hour files, goals files, export, you know, goes through their hardship, UFIT files, like, you know, GNC files, like, it's hmm. one after the other. You, you had to right? go there. You know, <laughs> I did. Sorry. But, <laughs> but it happens, right? Yeah. You know, and, and my time frame may be off there or something. But, yeah. you know, really at the end of the day, those guys. Just kind of kept person, you know, pumping personal money into it. Yeah. Now hindsight, twenty twenty, what we did was we rallied behind all the the big box business that we had. So your HEBs, uh, Harris Teeter's, uh, Academy, Dick's Sporting Goods, like all those people, right? Because from a sales perspective, if you lose those people, it's really hard to go get them back. Yeah, right. It just is, but. In the same breath all those guys changed their terms apologies so now you're basically in cash 45 to 90 days yeah. hurts yeah right yeah. and so you basically kind of you know you you make decisions you live by them etc and then you know jeff and eric just kind of kept pumping personal money into this thing and then finally got to the point where they're like guys we can't do this anymore like just can't you know so uh we had a meeting and it was Uh, in April of 2021. Now, hindsight 2020, had those guys possibly filed at the same time everybody else was? Does it change the outlook that that now creates a better path for us today with brands? Possibly, don't know. But they didn't. They tried to stick it out. They tried to make it right uh, and just couldn't rebound from it, right? Uh, So then at that point in time, we initiated uh, the Warren Act Uh, given basically all employees, 60 days, look, Hey, if you need to go find something, we understand it is what it is. Uh, and at the, you know, call it the, the 11th hour, right? You know, we had a a partner out of New York, um, who've been really good guys. Um, AFI, they run a hedge out of, out of the city. Um, they've done a lot of great investments with distressed businesses. Uh, and they infused the, they infused Europa, right? Um, and
0: so with that, is, did Jeff and Eric leave? Like, they, they bought did. out their ownership of the, essentially.
3: It's, it wasn't even so much a buyout, man. Like, they literally paid to leave. You know, as crazy as that sounds, yeah. right? Now,
0: Well, I guess, yeah, I mean, it's a huge burden, right? Yeah, like, it is.
3: So they still believed enough in Europa that they put money into the AFI partnership, hmm. right? You know, because they this is their legacy. This is this is their baby, right? They didn't want to see it go away. And the last thing they wanted to do was burn anybody on the way out. But a lot of people did. Not hiding yeah. from that fact either, right? Like yeah. you know, a lot of people, you know, on the vendor side got took a haircut. And um, Robbie spent a long time basically trying to re mend fences and, and build relationships back. Uh, and at the end I, of the remem- day, that's I my remember now.
0: I remember that very awkward call from David yeah. Hayes. Yeah. So I have some Bad news and some good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which so, is which is weird. I mean, like, because it wasn't a bankruptcy. No, wait, which made it like, and we we were peanuts, right? We were just doing selling beef sticks to yeah. you guys, so we were peanuts. Like,
1: well, we yeah. had American Energy. Well, we did. Ha- we just yeah. got the American yeah. Energy, in, right. and so it
0: was. Just, but like, uh, in the grand scheme of things, peanuts to a a monster brand that's doing five hundred million a year or something, sure. right? So like. How did you even? How did those conversations even go? When you're like, we're not filing for bankruptcy, but here's what's going to have to yeah, happen. Yeah. So
3: AFI came in and did an asset purchase, right? Um, and and it was kind of under the, an Article Nine. And it, with the asset purchase, obviously, you know, and they didn't even buy the receivable, right? You know, they were really basically trying to breathe life into a company that you know we had a great customer base. So
0: all basically, yeah. they came in, they bought assets. All AP and ARs wiped out. Correct. Essentially.
3: Yeah. So you're really starting over, right? And in the same breath, you know, where you have a lot of brands out there that were like, okay, well, you know, cool, but you guys got to make good on this old debt, right? Well, right. that's not what we're buying, you know, and, and really, hell, if you think back on it, you know, does it go over better if if we change the name? <laughs> you know, maybe it does. Well, I guess technically
0: you did change the name, right? <laughs> we did. You know, it's now Robo-Sport it's your part.
3: partners, right? <laughs> and... um. So, you know, it, Robbie, myself, and a couple other people, like, I mean, we've spent the last 18 months, you know, trying to, to rebuild bridges, mend fences, et cetera, you know, to basically get back to a, a holistic place with people. And, and, frankly, made a lot of headway, you know. I mean, um, of
0: the brands you lost through this, uh-huh. how many, what percentage are, are back? That you wanted back because I'm sure at that point in time you were probably carrying 500 brands and I know you whittled that down like significantly,
3: probably 80 to 85 percent, you know, um, and and we still have a couple other key partners out there that we got to get across the line to really basically, you know, be back to a healthy business, right? Mm -hmm. Like because here's my challenge every day, Doug, right? Yeah, it's like you've got you got to balance a system right, that's, that can support up to, you know, half a billion dollars, right? You know, but as you go to rebuild the business, you're not there. Right. So you have all these systems, people, and things in place, you know, that you gotta get revenue in the building to help drive up everything, right? You know, revenue fixes anything and everything in everybody's world, right? So that's where we're at today. like we we've got to get a couple other big brands, you know, to to kind of cross the line or the aisle, so to speak, and get back to a commercial relationship. Because like, if I have to go prepay somebody, and that brand happens to be somebody that I need half a million dollars worth on a given month. That's a lot of jack, right to just kick out knowing what the receivable is coming in, what inventory is good on the floor, what your borrowing base looks like coming through the door. You know, I mean, you're juggling kind of all these things and you know if inventory falls below x right well then you're trying to basically figure out okay well what are sales going to look like less the inventory you know what's going to come in that week how are we going to manage the relationships with brands because at the end of the day I refuse to burn a single person because now it's my name right you know so how are how are we going to balance this equation and it's an everyday juggling it so what what does your day
0: consist of people ask me huh, that and i said i have no idea so like do you even have like i mean i'm sure there's set things you need to do but is it just like you're uh as we say uh swat and fly Flat and swat Flat and swize, yeah, and swize <laughs> is what we say
3: man you know i i love the people there so you know after you know you know and i've been working out with logan you know in the morning um you're you know, gonna need,
0: you're gonna need bigger arm sleeves there. Oh, we gonna but, get them juice, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, um, you know, after that, you know, walking first thing, you know, catch up on emails, catch up, catch up on reporting. Um, but the first hour of my day, man, I you know, I spend walking around the building talking to everybody that I possibly can, especially in the warehouse, right? You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of people um, under underestimate and undervalue their warehouse staff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but at the end of the day, they're the lifeline to the Well, that's what you guys business. do. You're a warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. You know, but whereas, you know, people would say, oh, well, you know, sales, you know, sales, sales, you know, and, and, and they're on this pedestal. Well, at the end of the day, you know, sales may be the engine, but the warehouse are the tires on the road that make basically the, the car go down the road, right? right? Like if they don't get it out the door, it doesn't matter how good your sales department is, you fail. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that's kind of how I start my day. And then from there, um, it, I would say the bulk – of what's changed is where I would be on the phone with customers um, and making sure that those relationships are tight and obviously brands as well. Now it's probably more brand centric um, and and efficiency centric for what basically the day holds in front of me because again, um, I'm a much bigger fan on delivering on service. Than I am on anything else, right? Like, you know, the unicorn doesn't exist where, you know, and, and I kind of look at it as like a triangle where, you know, you can't have it fast, cheap, and good, right? Yeah, you only really have two. We'll we, you know, we just said this, Which, the two, other day. Yep. which two you want, right? Yeah. And, you know, as is, it is with a lot of people, we're running a ton of temps through the building right now and things like that because it's hard to find good workers. And I'd rather be, you know, smooth and fast versus fast and reckless. Right. And and we've been running too fast and reckless for, for too long, just trying to get basically through, you know, and and I tell people, you know, fixing a mistake is three times the cost. Yeah. <laughs> it just is. Um, so it we're, funny enough, I told the sales staff, I'm like, look, I, I'd rather, you know, and we can talk about it, but I'd rather basically narrow the scope of what we're trying to do and say, look, I'd rather go back to you as a customer and say, listen, I'm going to add a day of transit time to your order. But in doing so, what I'm doing is making sure that our pickers and packers are taking the time that's necessary to walk through the order, look at the order, to where we're putting as much care as we possibly can into that box when it leaves. It It still may get damaged, but did it have enough dunnage in the box? You know, was it packed the right way? You know, did we have bars on top of drinks or whatever the case is versus the opposite way, right? <laughs> you know, those are the things that we've got to get better at that, you know, it takes a little time to get people understanding, okay, you got to take just a hair longer to basically make sure that this box goes out the right way. Because really at the end of the day, the box is what means everything to us, how it gets delivered, how it gets perceived, you know, when it gets, I should say received and then perceived, you know, is right. basically kind of our... Our message back to the customer base so, so
0: the sale the sales team here so you know at one point in time you guys had 80 100 i don't know sales people inside yeah. and outside reps so how has that changed like if so you at one point in time i think you had eight eight different distribution centers right was does that sound about mm-hmm. right and now you have i feel like you just closed one mm-hmm. so you have a three
3: so florida is a unique situation right um one of the things that, that it, slightly pre-COVID, but during COVID, you know, you had a lot of, of regional distributors kind of pop up and start getting some success in local market. Um, I believe that we can still win in Florida. We had way too many challenges in Florida. Um, again, I spoke to Labor a second ago. You know, we were running, you know, way too many temps through the building. Um, we were diluting our inventory base way too much. And the cost of the building... Um, just from an errors and all these different things right that go into running a facility
1: good lord that's, a, through, that's, so. a, that's a big, oh, that's a big truck Sunset we are Pacific. live on the we, set. we just put a truck load on that truck I tell you <laughs> yeah.
0: is, is, is that going out to <laughs> it might Europa? be going down under let's yeah, go, let's go in, on let's, Europa send yeah, that straight uh, there yeah
3: <laughs> <laughs> Larry take a right <laughs> so um, you know Basically had a brand call. Logan was a part of it. He was drinking High
2: Noons and White Claws. Well, he calls this call on, I'm on vacation. How, how was that Wildberry White Claw. I did, I did. How, how so was that Wildberry It wasn't Wildberry. It was a Tapo Chico, so you come correct, <laughs> first and foremost. Uh, I get an email at 11 o'clock on a Friday. I'm on vacation, and it says, Hey guys, want to kind of have a, a vendor call at 2? At and I'm looking, and I'm like... So I called him and I said, I just want to let you know, like by two o'clock, I'm going to be three sheets to the wind, son. I said, now get on that call. But and then, of course, I get on the call. I got like a Dale Jr. shirt on. Like, I just been drinking, you know. But the best part was I was on vacation and drinking. There was about four other people that were not on vacation and drinking. (laughs) I was one of
3: them. um, So I have every intention. And that
0: call was to say we are shutting down. Florida, Florida.
3: So basically, what I did was I consolidated the inventory that was down in Florida back into North Carolina. They're like,
0: this fucking new guy's shutting yeah. all this yeah. shit out.
3: <laughs> so um, I have every intention of going back to Florida probably into first quarter, if not second quarter. Um, I'm keeping the building, I'm keeping the racking up, I'm keeping the sky lifts, I'm keeping the jacks, everything down there. I'm mean, hell, I'm even keeping the telco lines running into the building, right? We've got to rebuild Florida the way that we need to be able to run Florida versus the way we were running Florida. And that's just simply that, right? Um, When when your market labor force basically to drive a truck right now starts at $62,000 to make 10 stops a day, and I got five trucks sitting in Florida that leases expire October 1st on, that makes no sense to me. That's an expense that I don't need that I could put back into good inventory.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, sales reps. So, you had about 80, 100, I mm-hmm. don't know, how, at some point. How many do you have now? So, because you got rid of
3: like a lot of the outside at yeah. some point, right? Yeah. So, uh, we still have outside reps in key metro markets. Um, we have 25 inside sales staff. Uh, we've created basically um, uh, two new departments of Europa inside the sales staff that we're now actively hiring for. Um,
0: all you out there want a job, Europa.
3: Yeah, hey, call yeah, me. Yeah, what's the what's the website?
0: What's the yeah, Europa.com. One eight hundred four four seven, four
3: seven nine five. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, it look, it, there's there's two points of touch that I feel like we had and we lost, but also one of the things that we've got to do a better job of is creating a career path for somebody who's coming into the industry. Right. Right? Yep. You know, so um Years ago, if you look back, you know, our, our drivers came off the road and into customer service. Customer service went into sales.
2: Um, that was how I, that, and, was, that was my route. Yeah. You were a driver? I was a customer service rep. Yep. Um, and then I went from customer service for a year um, and then went into outside sales for South Carolina and reported to Rick and Justin. Yep. Right? So, did that for three years? Something,
3: something like that. It, it, Honestly, yeah. it was the longest 36 months of my life. <laughs> And you loved every minute of it. Loved every minute. wouldn't trade it, (laughs) by the way. Um, So, yeah. So, we formed essentially kind of two new departments. Um, One is basically uh, kind of a step up from customer service, which is customer care. And the sole mission of that person's life is to literally sit there, have a list of people to follow up on and say, look, hey, man, I know that you placed an order a couple weeks ago. You know wanted to call you back did everything get there the way that it should um by the way i know that from the notes here in our crm system you were looking for this we didn't have it at the time but now it's available so they can take an order too. they can take an order too right but it's solely about a follow-up yeah and it's solely about a customer so your sales reps are not
0: really doing necessarily follow-ups on specific they
3: are they're doing everything today right where i need those guys because it's a smaller group focused on being consultants of the trade and how they basically help a customer build their business, right?
0: So, so how, so how many people are the sales reps calling in a day? How many people do they call on in a day?
3: It depends, you know. Um, it, we love to see a number between 35 and 45 outbound activities, um, you know, but depending upon that rep and their level of business, it may be 10 that day. It, it's no different than a rep driving down the right. road, right? A traffic jam is going to happen.
0: Now, is there any <laughs> at this point in time, I mean, you guys probably have a book of business, whether or not they're active or not, mm-hmm. because of where you were at, at your peak, that's massive. Mm-hmm. Is there any cold calling going on at this time, or is it literally servicing the people that are currently actively buying? Honestly,
3: or? It's, it's more centered around people that we know are willing to, to jump in the game. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's very little cold calling, but in the same breath, that kind of brings into that next role of an account consultant, right? Who basically is that farm league system. This is farm. this
0: is above sales reps? This no. Above customer no. care.
3: Above customer care. Customer
0: service, customer
3: care. Sales consultant.
2: Sales consultant and then no. sales rep. No. Account, account executive. executive. We're exa-
3: okay, yeah, got exactly. Right. Got it. Got it. Yeah. How many other departments? Yeah. Damn.
2: I mean, just call them whatever you want to. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're throwing out new titles, so yeah. you, do you want to give them a new title? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So what— We I, can. It's I mean, fine. at the at the end of the day, you know, I mean, are your sales reps actively selling and introducing, right? This is one of the things that as a brand, you know— 100%. We would love to see, and I think that's why we love having Logan down there to help the guys sell. Yep. Um, you Which, know. by the
3: way, how's that investment then? It's— <laughs> We're still you know, figuring I, it out.
0: I, I hate to blow smoke up as tush. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, we we don't get this to your head, but we love having Logan here, and I think there's been a huge value. We, we don't get the much story, work just done so you know. Like, the job was pitched to us. Like most people that get a job here, they're like, "Hey, how you know? I, I you know maybe want to work for you." I was like, "All right, cool. Pitch a job." How How are you gonna make us money so that we can make you and help you grow? Yeah. If you can't yeah. make us money, then you're not going to grow. So literally, that was the conversation we had. And he's like, well, I think this is where you're leaving money on the table. This is where I can help you. And, I mean, we're just getting started, oh, and I sure. think it's been yeah. phenomenal. So we can talk about how brands are successful with you guys. Yeah. That's another thing. But I'm just curious about these, these sales reps. Yeah. To get Let's get yeah. off Logan's <laughs> job they They're consultants, for a no, stuff. Well, no. The, the sales, sales consultants. So, like, they well, are actively – and this is what I've learned, that they, they are truly introducing – you know they're not just order takers right more, which i think is the bad rap that a lot of distributors more get.
3: so than ever today they have to be salespeople. more so ever right because again at the end of the day you have people calling in for legacy brand right you know but at the end of the day most legacy is tied to beverage well we just discussed how much dry goods need to be a factor right and new innovation has to be a factor like the future of what our business is to the specialty market, is, and I'm going to say this loosely, isn't just in legacy. You have to have legacy, but you have to have innovation coming into the fold. You have to. Otherwise, it, then why are y'all here? Insert
2: right. 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 core nutrition. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. you know from, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Thank you. and and this kind of ties into you know my day to day is when I'm not here in this building, I'm in that building. Right, so I'm down there actively sitting in the sales pit with their team and introducing new products and 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 that's the thing is like as much as
3: and all it's costing you is nineteen hundred dollars a month a
2: month then why am I
3: paying five grand a month for that what are you talking about well that's a deduction okay (laughs) yeah yeah just wondering I was like that was a lot more anybody interested call me
1: (laughs) so (laughs) so did you develop that new. (laughs) we're going? We're, we're going to no, get a, honestly, Hey,
3: this is a funny story, real quick. All right, here. So, my brother uh, worked for Walmart for a number of years out of Bentonville, Arkansas. Then left Walmart and now works for Pilgrim Chicken, selling back into Walmart, Kroger, and Sam's Club. Well, when you go to Walmart, right? You know, a lot of their major brands have offices in their building
0: that they pay for.
3: That they pay for. Yeah. Yes. Right? Because it creates almost a vendor village where you know your core brands basically have direct access. You know, to either basically the decision makers at the business to be able to get things done and turn things faster. With so, the right
0: people, that could be that could be a huge win because like they will help. You're not paying their salary, at, and they're paying basically you to be there to help you and a lot win. Of people need right. an office, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and, so
3: if you remember, and and I don't think you guys have seen it, but in the old Sweet Sea, yep. You know, we had the fishbowl. Mm-hmm. We called it the fishbowl because literally we had an office nothing but cubicles. It was walled off in glass, which is why we called it the fishbowl, which was going to be where we started a, a vendor department, you know, so people could have, you know, an on site person and and it ranges across a variety of different departments, right? It's not just sales, right? If you got an accounting issue. Well, there's CFO, go talk to them. Right? Yeah, you know? I mean, so we were trying to basically bring people in closer, you know, versus basically trying to push people away. So, this, so is a good,
0: this is a good segue, so like, let's talk about the, the flip side of this, so not just your uh, sales or account manager, whatever title you gave them, your sales dudes uh, and <laughs> gals, uh, but the uh, the flip side, when like brands presenting to you, mm-hmm. and how does a brand be successful? So I th- guess the first question is, are you getting bombarded with new pop-up brands, startups, um, even some old legacy brands that are not in distribution. That like, Are you getting bombarded with people that want Europa's help or is it less now after COVID and the whole, you know, everyone trying to go D to C and everything? Are it's, you still getting a lot now, of...
3: It's, it, there's still a lot of traction there. Yeah. Um, to the point I was making earlier, you, you know, you really have to kind of decide what's going to make or break you where you want to put your cash, right? Um, so if... If there's a brand that comes to the fold that has a great, you know, marketing presence, social following, ambassador, things of that nature, and they're scaling, then that's a much easier decision than, you know, it, you know, your boy doing a startup, you know, with limited.
0: Every know, bro that yeah. five hundred run a pre workout. Exactly. I got this yeah. sick yeah. the sickest no pre workout
3: ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So like that that happens quite a bit. So what yeah. what are you seeing? Um, what works best for somebody who is new into the distribution game. I know the conversation for us. We, we did have a relationship with muscle foods at one point mm-hmm. and we strategically pulled core because one of the difficulties we were is one is our pricing. We didn't structure, we didn't set it up exactly how we have it set up now with Europa to be fully successful. Right. And and what that is, is we want to make sure that the customer can get it from you as the same price that they could get it from us. Right. right. Otherwise the, everyone's going to want to come to us directly right so like that's a big thing that a brand needs to have the right pricing there everyone's just going to want to go direct absolutely um but like you know and i know the conversation for us was like listen we don't want to just because we already have an existing business that we have relationships with we don't want to just come to you and turn over everything to you because we can do our own warehousing here uh but we want to work together as a partner so that you know uh a gentleman's agreement and a paper agreement that's saying, listen, when you activate accounts, those are your accounts and we will help you support them. But if we activate an account, you know, like this isn't, you know, we might turn some things over to you that you're better suited to handle than we are. But like, those are our accounts. And I think it was a a mutually beneficial and a mutual, we, we all, we both understood each other at that point in time. Um, Do you have a lot of those conversations with new brands coming in or how does that work?
3: Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think, to a certain degree, everybody cherry picks. Right? You know, to your point, you have customers today that are profitable for you that are legacy customers, you're always going to support those people, etc, right? There may be a time where you guys scale to a certain size where it's like, look, I just can't do this anymore. And it makes more sense for it to flow this way. Yeah. And then of course, us or anybody you know we pick it up right? well like the a
0: big one is we have a pretty decent uh, california account that we just turned over where like they were a great account for us direct but like it was taking forever to get the product there and then was, we were getting exactly. issues and so it makes more sense when you're out in vegas to
3: well and 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 that's what to roll back that's why we're going to support guys like you right you know where you're making a good decision for yourself, but it aligns with what our values are on being able to support you. So that's where we wanna make sure that we're being good stewards of your brand. And look, you know, we may not get all your direct business. I don't need it all, you know, but where it makes sense for you and where you're gonna protect me is all the other ancillary business that we're able to pick up, right? right. You know, it's gotta be a two-way street and, and it can't just be good for me. It can't just be good for you we've got to figure out basically the best way we travel down the road together. That's it.
0: So what else, what else does a brand need to do to be successful? Is it really, do you really want to see, traffic-driven to Europa. Is that what it is? I mean, like, that's what that's what Vitamin Shot wants. That's what GNC wants. Everyone wants sure. to, the traffic-driven there. That's the big thing. It's like, how are you going? Like, when a brand's pitching to you, is that, like, the number one thing that you're you know, you're really talking, looking I, for?
3: I, I think Vitamin Shot does a pretty good job, right? You know, depending upon how far your brand goes, you know, I, and I call it a brand crossing the aisle, you know, Tommy Lanyard's not going to sell your brand, right? The guy that's sitting there, you know, with his... his <laughs> his tag on, right? Like he's not selling your brand. Your brand has to pull from the shelf at that point, right? Which in itself is basically a whole different slew of of conversations. That's your marketing department. Exactly, you know. um,
0: But I I would say one thing there though, that that is where I think a lot has changed that I've seen over the, the years. And it's the same as in Vitamin Shop as mom and pops. is like when we first opened Arlington Nutrition Corner 12 years ago or whatever, we had sales reps in our door. Yeah all the time, like, all the uh, Glambia, Quest, I mean, even the smaller brands, right, would come to VPX, like, they Mm -hmm. would come through our doors and we moved product for them because they had a relationship. The the relationship. And
1: uh, USP Labs is great at it because they had a a program they rolled out with their reps, it's like, you hang out in that store and you sell for that store at that time, Yeah, right. right? So I remember the USP Labs rep, just, he would hang out for three to four hours, and he wouldn't he would act as a sales guy within the store for that store, not just USP Labs. Absolutely, yeah, he's selling some USP Labs, but if that product was better for a Core Fury, he's going to pitch. And the you Core wanted Fury. that guy in there all the time, yes, absolutely.
0: And, and, that, and that's where we are. So I, I think you need at least one of the other. You need that strong pull because you have C Bum, right? The hottest thing in bodybuilding these right. days. There, he's going to pull because of like they're going to go in there looking for Thavage or whatever the yeah. product is. Or you have to really have a ground game to build the relationships. Yep. And that's where, you know, for us, we don't, we don't have a C-bomb. I mean, yeah. I got 60,000 well, followers, so and I'm, I'm our C-bomb, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, but it's our relationships. And that's, that's where yeah. these guys come in and the other guys on the team.
3: So when I'm talking to a new brand, you know, there's a couple questions I ask, right? Like, one, is the brand cool? You know, cool's always going to be cool, yeah. right? How's it priced, right? You know and does it taste good again going back to that triangle yeah. of right. uh, uh of good fast or cheap right? right you know so on you know it's kind of the same track you still need two of the three of those like it can be you know it can taste good and be priced right okay yeah. you, you probably win there it can be more expensive but it can be cool and it can be good right it's yeah. the right. same concept yeah. you know and um yeah, you know, I think that as long as a brand kind of capitalizes on on two of those three, they're fine. Yeah, you know, and yeah. we'll figure out the rest of it.
0: So, uh, fellas, I, I mean, I've gone through a bunch of the stuff that I wanted
1: to hear. Uh, what else do you guys have for uh, Justin while we're here? You have anything else? Well, the one thing I I just taking in, you know, and just listen to it. And <clears throat> what we we've preached on and harped on is just, you know, we keep you know sales reps and but like really it's just it's relationship re- representatives right? right like you you seem to be it's it is super relationship focused at Europa right now yes right like how the fo- i love the follow up role right like um and that is just going back to the relationship and it's just like how do we win more with you right what else can we do for you from a customer, from a service standpoint you know and i think that's how we've won at core nutritionals you know like i told there was a time where, like, I was super anxious when I first started, you know, and I was. No, I, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> right. Me being an anxious. What are you talking about? Frantic, anxious, where I thought we needed to be in every single store in the country. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then I quickly realized, like, our brand is not built for every single store in this country. Right? It's not. No. But, like, there's a brand, there's a store over here that has a little bit of our product that has some values that align with us where, hey, if I spend more of my hours on this store, we can get this store to where we need them to be you know from a, in a yearly standpoint right and i think that's seems to be a big part of your restructuring process It's like hey let's let's kind of uh, figure out where you can win right right well and, and, and everybody this. you always win any customer or any brand or business should be winning at a service standpoint at a customer service relationship standpoint you hit
3: the nail on the head not every customer is a good customer for me right it's just not and I'm okay accepting some that. don't pay their bills hey. you know hey <laughs> you know? And, and and some want it for free right right you know we all have to have we all have to make money to be here right
1: no it's good
2: you know for for me and man can I just
0: say your radio voice is just on point you go down another octave and you just, you just I got a like,
2: face for radio I know that
1: <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> sexy
2: it is I't know I'm glad I have this yeah, robe is covering it's a good it way. up. Not jams. <laughs> Golly. So hey, hold,
1: hold on, hold on. Something. Oh, no, go no. ahead. Me brigade. No. Oh yeah. yeah there, there we, we go. Know. Nailed
2: it. <laughs> so y- you know the one thing that drew me to core right more so than anything after I sat down and, and pitched my job to <laughs> Doug and Patrick and James and Dave and all these guys <laughs> was that you know. The, the the culture here is something that I haven't had since 2014, 2015 Europa, right? So when I, you know, when I come here, it's just, yeah, Doug's my boss. Yeah, I report to Patrick, right? I look at those guys as my friends as what well. Like I, the same way that I did with you back in the day, right? Sure. And, uh, friend is loose these days, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> it's a business relationship. exactly. <laughs> no. But, you know. No, Justin and I still, we, we, we like to kill an animal together. So we're, we Amen. still do that.
1: It just got canceled. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, but, you know, what I remember was, you know, you rewind the clock. Like, I remember there being dudes that were willing to go take a bullet for Jeff and Eric. And, sure. and the Europa business. And the culture there was you just felt it, right? When you went down those hallways, like, those guys were all on the same page. They were buddies. They were you know, all had the same mission, all had the same goal. You know, have you, with you coming in as the new head and your, this is your, you know, regime now, right? Are you putting a, an emphasis on getting that back? Like, and how are you, like, what is your, you know, what do you see that looking like in the, in the next, you know, 18 months of, of you running this thing?
1: It,
3: you know, one of the things that First and foremost, it's about transparency. Right. You know, it, we, all of us went through a tough time. We, you know, and, and guys, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat. We're still going through a hard time. It just is, right, uh, as we try to basically rebuild and, and recapture. Um, it, you know, transparency with people uh, is a finicky mistress. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it it is, right? Like, everybody wants it, but at the end of the day, it's like, a, I, I gave you this analogy. It's like a dog chasing a car. It wants to catch the car, but when it grabs it, what's it going to do? What are you going to do with it, right? <laughs> and... Um,
0: is that the CEO title? Everyone wants the CEO title, yeah. and then yeah. once you get there, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> what are you
3: going to do with it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is bumper's um, kind of hard. Yeah,
3: exactly, right? You know, um, but no, it, you know, so it, I made a point to make sure that that I was going to be as transparent as I could uh, along the journey, right. right? Good, bad, or indifferent, you know, it, look, if, if we're gonna be in this to win it, you know, well, then everybody needs to understand the hardship too. Right. You know? And it's not just about, you know, rainbows and unicorns, right? Like it's it's gotta be the real conversation of, look, sales team, I need you guys to recover X amount of people not paying freight and get right. them on board with understanding why that freight's important, not because I'm trying to recover X amount of dollars from them, but because if I don't, right, and you continue to get a pass, look, it, it's creating an unhealthy dynamic for us across the landscape of doing business. Right. You know, and, and it's just a real conversation. I've tried to basically convey every brand win with people, right? Um, how we're basically negotiating our terms positions how we're renegotiating our freight rate positions how we're going to basically try to drive this thing out over the next two and three years right you know more importantly, how do we make sure that we win in fourth quarter, which is traditionally slower for everybody yep. right you know I mean so um, it, it's it's really based around transparency. It's based around frankly talking to people. I, I told people, look for the last 18 months, you know if, if you walked into Europa, everybody had their head down doing their job and that was it right just head down look you know go right and there is a bright world out there pick your head up look at what's going on around you make better decisions based upon what your role is and how it affects the person next to you you know and those are the you know those small little changes you know that can really affect the culture of of the direction of which we're trying to head you know and i think that you know the more we basically have, you know, these, and and not just calling it interdepartmental meetings, right, but having these big, large group meetings, so everybody, you know, the warehouse understands the appreciation level that we have for them for what they need to do every day because they make or break your number, you know, it. Every you know everything that that the sales team basically contributes. I, I told people like, look, day one, if we're not buying it selling it processing it shipping it and collecting on it then we got to change it (laughs) because that's who we are right right? you know now there's a lot of things that go into that you know but what's the most important well it's how that package arrives to that customer that's that's what's most important right
2: and that's where you know you guys align with us is you know our we make decisions a lot of times like you even talk about you know the customer in california we were speaking of. You know, that customer was waiting two weeks to get products, and and sometimes it became a thing. Like it was, it was a big, it was a big deal. So, you know, our whole thing is is it is best for that customer to be able to get his stuff in two days versus two weeks. I think he's a lot happier now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully so. So. You know, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pump your tires for a minute. Oh, you know, here I, we go. They already Bring got it, baby. Pumped, Come so. on, come on. But we need you know. that PO. Come on. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is David Hayes back working?
0: He is. Yeah, yeah. Let's call he, him
2: up. He, Let's get he, him on live.
3: He, he was back in yesterday. Okay, all right. Here so, we go.
2: <laughs> you know, those guys down in that office. You know, they love you, right? And 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 they've reported to you. You've been not just a boss. You've been a friend. You've been essentially family to those guys. And I'll say the same on my end, right? Like I consider you one of my best friends in this world and you
3: don't get to choose your family
2: <laughs> yeah unfortunately um but no i it, every time i'm in there and talking to the guys and, and and because i have had that relationship with the boys in the in the in sales down there for 10 years yeah you know i get to hear the stuff that nobody else normally gets to hear like they're not going to tell every vendor hey well, this guy's <laughs> dick." you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like everybody says the same thing it's like no, I got Justin's back, right? And you got guys that are willing to do the same thing that, you know, Jeff and Eric had, which is you got guys rowing the boat in the exact same direction that you are, and they want to be there and win with you. Because you've always made it clear, like, I'll, you know, the one thing that, that you did that I don't know that I ever really even said anything to you about was when your sales manager left, you literally, the, the cube that I sit in when I'm in there, all of a sudden, you were in there. You You moved from your office, and went and sat in the pit with the boys and got your hands dirty with them. There's not many guys that were going to do that in a, in a leadership position. So those boys knew, hey, Weeks has got our back. So I think you're doing everything the right way. I think that you guys are on the right track to kind of getting back to exactly where you were, and then, and then some, right? So.
0: so that's a perfect segue to final question here. When we have you back next September for the follow-up podcast on this, what is a win for you over the next year? What is your, what you can look past over the last 12 months. Getting to September. <laughs> <laughs> um, like if you could look back in a year, year from now and be like, all right, we accomplished this. And it, it's not like, not a, don't give me a revenue number, right? Okay. But like, what are the main things that you really want to see happen over the coming year where you can look back a year from now when we have this podcast again and be like, we won because we did X, Y, and Z. Or accomplished X, Y, and Z.
3: Um, you know, to in this, it's probably going to be, you know, the big circle that I was talking about earlier. <laughs> the circle jerk. Yeah. What are we, no, talking, no, about, we are <laughs> talking about? We were talking about triangles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've moved from triangles to circles and, <laughs> and talking in a big enough circle yeah, yeah, to where yeah, know, okay. everybody yeah. goes around yeah. it. Um, yeah, you know, what would be a win? Um, honestly it's not a revenue number it, it really isn't right you know I mean if if it was tied to a revenue number and you sat there and said you know okay well Europa bounced back and we're now a 400 million dollar partner again well at the end of the day a 400 million dollar partner making nothing sucks right you know I'd rather be 100 million right making okay. money right. you know and um those people basically who who rally around us you know not just you know outside the building but inside the building are being able to to lead the lives that they want to lead right um, so i would think a win first and foremost is one and i you know and this is no bullshit right it's making it to september we've we've had a ton of challenges yep. i've got to continue to basically work with the groups in europa to make sure that we're one being good stewards of our brands but that outward facing perception from our brand communities and our customer communities, knowing that we're their partner is a win, right? Knowing that those relationships, because look, man, I've got relationships out there with people, you know, with Gold's Gym, for example, right? I've been doing business with those guys personally for 17 years, right? I came from there, that's how I started here. They'll be more personable to me than than so many other people out there, you know? But right now where I had 100% of their business I get about fifty percent of it today. A win for me is those guys leaning back in with me saying, "Don't care." These guys got me right. That's my win. That's where, That's where I'm trying to get to. I
0: and mean, that's because every. That's because you'll have everything rolling in the right exactly. direction. Yeah. All right, that's awesome. You guys have anything else? Good. think I'm good. Yeah, I appreciate that was good. you guys. Hi, man, that was awesome. Me the opportunity. Yeah.
3: Thank you very much. Love yeah. the partnership and 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 the commitment you guys have given to us. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Well, we appreciate you having. We appreciate having you on, and you will come back in a year from now and tell us you won. I feel it in my nugs. My plums. I <laughs> feel it in my plums. plums. <laughs> All right, guys. Till next time. Keep crushing it. All right. Thank you.